You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Well, I am excited that we are here today for this podcast. This is an awesome topic and such a myth buster that I'm going to be going through today with this idea that the Holy Spirit is sin conscious and that he's constantly convicting us of sin. So that is not true. And the good news is that the gospel is the answer for guilt and shame and condemnation. And God is in a good mood and the Holy Spirit is an encourager. So let me pray and then we're going to hop into it. Uh, Okay, let's do it. So let me make sure I got my scripture up. Uh, Got it. Do I got it? Not yet. Let me get my scripture ready. Okay, here we go. Well, Father, I thank you for another live podcast, and I thank you that every listener is listening by divine appointment. Thank you that today's broadcast is a pronouncement of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that the good news is so much better than what we have believed. It's why Jesus told us to repent, that we were to believe the good news. And so today, Father, we're going to do some repenting, and it's going to be awesome. It's not going to be sackcloth and ashes and gnashing of teeth and crying and all that stuff. No, it's going to be the repentance into a place of joy, into a place of excitement, because the gospel is so, so, so good. And so, Father, I just yield right now. Thank you that you're going to be speaking through this podcast today to every single person. And that, Father, we are going to come into a new understanding of our identity in Christ, of your goodness, Father, of the extent of what Jesus actually finished and completed on the cross. And, Father, we're going to walk into greater levels of freedom today as a result of hearing this good news. We just give you thanks. We give you praise for it. And we are so grateful to be your children, to live in union with you, and to be citizens of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I want to hop in in today's topic. So basically what we're talking about, right, in this Christian Contradiction series is that there are these ideas that we've been taught in church. There's these phrases, these I don't know, little cliches almost that we have grown up with or we've heard in Christian circles that honestly are just a bunch of hogwash. And one of them is that the Holy Spirit is convicting believers of sin. You know, that that we are, you know, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit when we are feeling guilty and remorseful for the the things that we've done, the sins that we've committed. And so I want to come after that today with a a different perspective. You know, everything that I teach when I teach on these podcasts and I teach really anywhere, you know that I absolutely 100% look at all scripture through the lens of the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. I look at it from a finished work of what Jesus has accomplished. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. And through the cross, 
we have been united with Jesus. We've been co-identified with Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that we've been co-crucified. We've In Romans, it says that we've been co-buried, that we were co-risen, right? And in Ephesians, it says that we've ascended, and now we're seated at the right hand of God. And so as a believer, our entire identity is, is Jesus. You know, scriptures in, in, in 1 John say that as Jesus is, so are we in this world, that we are the very temple of the Holy Spirit, that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And so it's not, you know, like the Apostle Paul told the Galatians, it's not grievous for me to remind you guys of these things because most believers operate out of an identity <clears throat> that frankly just is not real because the old man was, has, has passed away. Behold, we're new cre creations. The new has come. And so the concept of you having an identity or a self apart from Christ is a huge deception. And if you're like me, you know, I grew up in church. I didn't even hear this stuff, you know? I mean, grew up in church over three decades in church before I actually heard the real gospel. And I heard about what it meant to live in union with Jesus, what it meant to abide in the vine, what it meant to be co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected, and co-ascended with Jesus. And to really start to live out of a place of joy and freedom because I live in constant perpetual union with Jesus. And it's not based upon my righteousness. It's not based upon my performance. It's not a pay based upon me doing the right thing or the wrong thing. It's based fully on the crucifixion and the finished works of Jesus. And faith is simply believing that. <clears throat> it's entering into the finished work of Jesus and rejoicing and believing that. And that's why it's righteousness is now a gift. And it's a gift that is is given to us through our union with Jesus. And so union changes everything. It changes the lens through which we view scripture. It changes the lens through which we see ourselves. It changes the lens through which we see other people uh, because we start to recognize that separation from Jesus, separation from God is an illusion. It's a product of the fall. It's a product of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it is the problem that Jesus came to solve on the cross. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get my drink here. So I want to hop into Jesus's words today as we talk about this idea that the Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin, that the Holy Spirit is sin conscious, that the Father is sin conscious, that Jesus is sin conscious, that he's, you know, going around basically highlighting everything that we're doing wrong, uh, you know, condemning us when we, when we sin, when we fall short of the mark. And that is just simply false. That is not the job of the Holy Spirit. That is not what the Holy Spirit does. And if we feel guilty and we feel condemned and we feel bad about the things that we've done, that is not coming from the Holy Spirit. Okay, it is coming from a relationship with the law and it's coming through a conviction that we feel, but it's not from the Holy Spirit. So let me just read the scriptures before I blow your mind with some gossip goodness here today. So in verse 7 of John 16, here's Jesus. He's talking to his disciples about his impending crucifixion, about the fact that he's going away. Okay, and here's what he says in verse 7. He says, but here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I read that in the Passion Translation. If you read it in other translations, some tra translations are going to say, 
uh, the, you know, the comforter will not be released to you. Other translations are, you know, like the Amplified is going to be like the strengthener, the intercessor, the standby. There's a whole list of description of the Holy Spirit. But um, the, the, the Passion Translation and then also uh, the NIV, uh, I think also, let me just go there and look at the NIV. Well, in the NIV, it says advocate. In the English Standard Version, it calls the Holy Spirit the helper. Okay, but advocate is a pretty important term if we're going to talk about conviction. Okay, uh, comforter, <clears throat> but the in divine encourager is what the Passion Translation says. And I really like that because that is the nature of the Holy Spirit. He is an encourager, right? The righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom is the default uh, state of mind <laughs> of God and the Holy Spirit. And so he is a divine encourager. So let me keep reading. In verse 8 it says, when he comes, okay, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments, okay? Now, this scripture is where people get the idea that the Holy Spirit is exposing the sins of the believer, okay? Because it says here, when he comes, he's going to expose sin. But I want to read it to you. Let me read it to you in NIV. Here's what it says. It says, uh, when he comes, he will prove to the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Okay? I love this NIV translation. He says that it, he will, the Holy Spirit's going to prove to the world that it's in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so I'm going to stop here for a moment because we just have really missed the mark in the body of Christ when it comes to what sin really is, what judgment is, and what righteousness is. And the reason that we've missed the mark is because we, we haven't looked at sin, we haven't looked at judgment, we haven't looked at righteousness as a separated from God problem. And we haven't gone back really to the beginning, to the garden, to the trees of life and to the tree to the tree of life and to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to really understand the nature of sin. Now I've done you know other podcasts on this topic, but I really want to go into a definition of sin that very few believers really grasp. Okay, because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree that where sin originated. And so there's something about this knowledge of good and evil that is actually the, the definition and the root of sin. And I want to say it a different way, okay? The knowledge of good and evil apart from God is where independent judgment entered the world, okay? And independence was never God's plan. In fact, if you read scriptures, you're going to find all throughout scripture that when, when we are described whether we're the body of Christ, whether we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, where we are a vessel, whether we are to yield as instruments, instruments of righteousness. Um, we are not, we don't exist in and of ourselves independently from God or from the enemy. What I mean by that is that we are simply a container. We are a container of a nature, 
right? And either, either it's the nature of the truth or it's the nature of error. It's the nature of, of love or it's the nature of fear. I mean, there's only two options here. There's only light. There's only darkness. There's no middle ground. There's no gray. There's no independent space that a human being can occupy. We simply agree with the truth or we agree with a lie. We simply are carriers and vessels that are expressing the love of God and the fruit of the spirit or we are expressing the works of the flesh. We are expressing the works of the enemy because these are two contrasting natures and there's no middle ground. And so in the beginning, when God placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he had one rule basically, that, and the rule was simply just to protect them, it wasn't to, to uh, put them in bondage, he just said, hey, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're surely gonna die. And it wasn't that he was gonna kill them, it was simply that their independence and their knowledge of good and evil, their ability to judge good and evil apart from him is the nature of the enemy. The nature of the enemy is death. The nature of the enemy is independence from God. It is being like God. It's putting yourself in the place of judging good and evil. And so judgment is the root of sin. Independent judgment apart from God is the very root of sin. And so what has happened to a lot of us and through the law and through legalism and just through programming from the world and from the religious systems and all of these different ways that we we get programmed throughout our life is that we have developed a relationship with good and evil. And we have re developed not meaning to necessarily, but this concept of something called self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is the ability to be right or to be good in and of yourself. And there is no ability of a human being to be good in and of itself because human beings are not self-existent. Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, God is the self-existent one. He is the source of all existence. He exists in and of himself, independent, right? Now, in his love, he created mankind to exist with him, in fellowship with him, in union with him. And when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he lost that that uh, consciousness, if you will. He lost that awareness. He, his entire perception changed. If you go and read Genesis, his perception of himself changed. He now saw himself not naked and unashamed, but shame entered the world. And he hid himself from the presence of God. There was a conviction. There was a guilt. There was a shame that entered in as he received the knowledge of good and evil. Let's be very clear that that knowledge, that judgment of good and evil, this is good, this is bad, this is uh, sinful, this is holy, that independent judgment is what caused that, that perception shift in Adam. And so, you know, this scripture in John 16, 8, that says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to prove to the world that it's wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. What I'm sharing today is the truth about sin, righteousness, and judgment, okay? When we live in union with Jesus, we are living as a vessel, a container of Jesus Christ. Christ is in us. 
we are an expressor of the nature of God. It's not a nature that's our own nature. In fact, there is no nature that humans possess that is, I mean, there's only two, right? I said it earlier, it's either the, the, the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of, of God. There's no human kingdom, you know? And so we're either expressors of light or we're expressors of darkness. We're either expressors of love and, you know, the fruit of the spirit, or we're expressors of the, the antithesis of those things. And so living in union with Jesus, we have an inheritance, right? We inherit the righteousness of Jesus. We inherit the holiness of Jesus. We have a new nature. That's why we're a new creation. And there's this union that happens, our spirit and Jesus' spirit, the Father's spirit. We're joined in the spirit. And so this is why we read the scriptures like in Romans 8, 1, that says there is now therefore no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, right? So in, in the Amplified Version, it says there's no guilty verdict, okay? It, and it's because if you keep reading Romans 8, it says because, you know, the, the, what, what the law could not do, right, that Jesus did, that the law of the spirit and life, Christ Jesus, has freed us from the law of sin and death. And so... What I want to say with that is we no longer have a relationship with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and honestly, the law of right and wrong. We now live by faith in union with Jesus and in the righteousness of God because we are in Christ. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says he was made to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so righteousness is now our nature through our union with Jesus. And it is not based upon the way that we behave. It's based upon what we believe. And we believe that Jesus Christ was the propitiation of the whole world's sins, meaning that he became sin on the cross and that sin was absorbed into his body. And that now sin, the very entity of sin, the very nature of sin has been extracted from our lives okay now do we still sin do we still uh misbehave well we do but we do that because we have unrenewed minds and we have been programmed with an identity that is not righteous we've been told our entire lives that we are sinners that there's something wrong with us that 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 we don't we don't really recognize who we are and we aren't living in this place of abiding in jesus with no identity apart from him and so we are living out of that separate identity and we're constantly judging. We're judging ourselves, we're judging other people, we're judging right and wrong, which truthfully is the root of sin. Judgment is, belongs to God and God alone. Why? Because he's the only one that can judge anything. He's the only one that knows the intents of everyone's heart. He's the only one that knows why people are the way they are. He knows why we've been programmed to believe what we believe. He understands it all. He knows and sees it all. He sees the seen things. He sees the unseen things. And so because of that, he is the only person that can judge. And we are to lay down the role of judge because that, in fact, is making ourselves out to be equal with God 
from a place of independence from God where we are now the, the, the judge of right, the judge of wrong, the judge of good, and the judge of evil. evil. And so what we do is we end up setting ourselves up for this performance-based relationship, trying to be good apart from Jesus, feeling bad when we're not good apart from Jesus. And it is an exhausting treadmill. Okay, We end up accusing ourselves and getting to agreement with the accuser where all the accuser is doing is using the law to convict us of of, of sin or something that we've done wrong. But the problem is, is that we have to hide in Christ. The scripture says that we are, our lives now are hidden in Christ. In Colossians chapter three, it says his resurrection is our resurrection. And that now we're to fill our minds with heavenly realities, that our, our tie with this life has been severed. We have been severed to, to this life, to this existence, to this mere human, you know, really demonic way of thinking and, and we have to now become you know where we were alienated in our minds it says in colossians now we renew our minds to who we are in christ and as a result of that you see now we can live without a consciousness it's not up to us to judge right and wrong and good and evil discernment is the opposite of judgment and you can truly not discern the heart of God, the thoughts of God, the emotions of God, uh, the way God feels, the way God sees when we are judging independently from him. And it's a trick of the enemy, basically, to keep us separated from God. You know, condemnation and guilt is simply us being convicted of doing something wrong. But the truth is, there is no, we have no relationship with the law anymore. There is no conviction that can happen. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And when it talks about the fact that, you know, if we confess our, if we are faithful, we confess our sins, that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's be clear. When we are confessing something to the Lord, it's simply cleansing our consciousness of that guilt and shame. And that all arises because we are living out of an identity that is separate from Jesus. Okay, I cannot stress to you how how judgment is absolutely deadly, okay? Um, it totally separates us from love. We cannot judge ourselves or judge others and love ourselves and love others at the same time. And I know we say things like, well, you know, separate the sin from the sinner, which that's, you know, easier said than done. But as long as we are sin consciousness, we are not righteous consciousness, not righteous conscious. And we can't be we can't be focused on what's wrong with us and wrong with other people and what's right with people at the same time. It is a trap, and it is a trap of the enemy to keep you in an identity that is not uh, one with Jesus, okay? Now, I want to keep reading in John 16, 8, um, John 16 now, okay? So I, when I started this, you know, I said that, that the Holy Spirit is the divine encourager, okay? So let's talk about what the Holy Spirit actually does. Okay, it says in verse 8 that when he comes, he exposes sin and proves that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Okay, now Jesus is talking to a people that are under the law. Okay, and so in this day, there were Pharisees who believed that they were righteous because they were, you know, following this, this legal system. And the Holy Spirit's job is to basically say that the law can never make you righteous. If it could, Jesus would not have had to come. That's in the epistles, right? Here's what verse 9 says it says, 
It says, when he comes, he'll expose sin, prove the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. Verse 9, sin because they refuse to believe in who I am. Verse 10, God's righteousness because I'm going back to join the Father and you'll see me no longer. Verse 11, and judgment because the ruler of this dark world has already received his sentence. Okay, so there's these definitions of sin, there's a definition of righteousness, and there's a definition of judgment. And these three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment, the Holy Spirit is involved in, but not the way that we've been taught. Okay, the Holy Spirit just enforces the judgment that has been, been executed against the accuser. All right, he convicts the believer of righteousness because the, Jesus has accomplished his work and is now seated in heaven as victor, right? And so the righteousness of God is now revealed in Jesus, okay? So he's convicting the believer of righteousness. He's not convicting us of sin. He's convicting us of righteousness. He's saying you're guilty of being one with Jesus. You're guilty of, of being righteous because you're in Christ. So act like it, child. Okay, be righteous, be holy as your father is in, in heaven is holy. Not holy apart from the father, holy because you're one with the father, right? And the world's being convicted of sin because it, it doesn't even understand the definition. It doesn't even understand that separation from God and independence from God and thinking that it has some kind of even legal right or ability to judge apart from the father, that that is the root of sin. And so the Holy Spirit is a divine encourager. He is constantly here to remind us of who we are. He reminds us of the words that Jesus has spoken. He reminds us of what is true and lovely and of good report. And he reminds us of our true identity. And so when we are acting out of alignment with that, and when we, we choose out of ignorance and an unrenewed mind and out of the fact that we're triggered and all kinds of reasons, we, we've been through so much trauma. There's a million reasons why people act the way that they do, but 100% of it comes out of brokenness. 100% of it is coming out of unmet needs and brokenness. And, and until the Holy Spirit is able to lead us into all truth and, and, the, and so that we can know the truth that sets us free, namely that we are one with Jesus, that we're a new creation, that we have a new identity, and that now we can live out of that. When we live out of an identity of righteousness and holiness and oneness with God and presence and and the peace and the joy of the Lord and gratefulness and, and worship because of what Jesus has accomplished. I will tell you, when you really get a hold of the gospel, you live from a place of humility, not because you think you're God and now you're one with God, but no, you just realize that Jesus did what you could have never done. And that this beautiful gift of union, this beautiful gift of righteousness, this beautiful gift of holiness is truly a gift. It's not of our works. It's not of our own doing. Heck, we didn't even know we needed it. You know, this happened before we were even born. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. God worked this thing out before we ever messed it up. And I'll tell you what comes out of that is a life of gratitude, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life where the war against yourself can end. We don't have to be self-critical. We don't have to be critical of others. We can see the beauty in the world. We can see the glory in every single person. We can, we can visit people and look beyond their behavior and see that they've been redeemed, that they are chosen, that they are loved, that they, they too just are having an identity crisis and they don't know the truth. And we don't realize that we project our, our judgments against other people because subconsciously we're judging ourselves and we're at war with ourselves and we have 
Uh, and then we blame it on the enemy, but all the enemy is, you know, there's no way to accuse a dead person. You know, you can't bring a suit against a dead person, even in, in, even in our, our legal system here in the world. If someone is dead, the charges are over. They're over. There's nothing to bring. You can't convict someone. You can't convict a dead person. And guys, we are dead. We are dead. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. We are dead. We are dead to the sin nature. We are dead to the works of darkness. That's why Paul, over and over again in the epistles, would admonish people. So therefore, clothe yourselves with humility. Put on Christ. Therefore, experience the new creation, is what he's saying. Live out of who you really are. Put off the works of darkness because you've been redeemed. So he wasn't telling you to put off the works of darkness so you could be redeemed. He wasn't telling you to do good deeds so that you could be righteous. He was saying, because you are righteous, put those things away. So when you are trying to do something to be someone, that's legalism. But when you are being someone, the works just simply come. That's why the fruit, the picture of the fruit and the branch, is that the, the branch just effortlessly produces fruit. It's the Holy Spirit's fruit being produced through us. It's not us having a character apart from God that is good. I mean, even when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, remember, he said, you know, uh, you know good teacher, good rabbi. And, the whole, and Jesus corrected him. He said, why do you call me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. Now, I think it was like a little test that he was giving the, the rich young ruler to, to, to see if he recognized, was, he, was Jesus actually God, right? But the point is, is that Jesus was honestly teaching throughout the Gospels really hyper-legalism because the purpose of the law is, is to expose that it doesn't work. <laughs> the purpose of the law, I mean, it says the law is the strength of sin. Why? Why is the law the strength of sin? Because it's the knowledge of good and evil. And the more that you try to be good, the more futile it becomes. Okay? We are unable to be good in and of ourselves. We are unable to be righteous apart from Christ. Self-righteousness is as filthy as it gets because it, there's no one that can do it. That's why Jesus did it. He did it for us. He did it as us. And then he brought it into us. And so now we experience it as we believe it. Okay, so condemnation and guilt are to be completely done away with and to recognize that it comes from judgment. You know, last night on my Emerge coaching call, I had the opportunity to lead someone through a prayer to really just drop the judgment. They were dealing with some guilt <clears throat> over something that they didn't even know if they did or not, but they felt guilty about it. And a lot of times what we do, we don't realize, but, you know, forgiveness has to exist on the planet because we are operating as judges. And so when I have to forgive someone, it's because I'm offended at something they did and I've judged that is wrong, right? But when we drop the game of judgment, it really makes forgiveness a non-issue anymore. And so what I did with her is I just said, okay, why don't we just let go of you being the, the, the judge, right? Why can't we just, let's just drop this identity of judge where you're judging yourself as right or wrong and that you did this wrong and so therefore you're guilty and therefore you're convicted and therefore you're condemned and you're operating out of an identity that's separate from Jesus. I said, let's just let go of it. And I led her in a prayer. I said, so Father, forgive me for taking on the role of judge, for taking on the role of God and for judging myself, convicting myself, agreeing with the accuser 
and now condemning myself and really separating myself from you because I'm not worthy, because I now no longer deserve to be, you know, righteous. I no longer deserve to be, uh, you know, my goodness has been tainted by my, my actions. And I said, why don't we just drop all of that? Okay, and why don't we put God back into the place of judge? And why don't you go ahead and just put back on the identity of innocent because of what Jesus has accomplished? Why don't you just receive the gift of innocence, receive the gift of righteousness through what Jesus has accomplished? And immediately the guilt and condemnation left. And oh, by the way, now she could actually hear God. She could actually discern what is actually the truth about what happened. You know, because we can't even really know the motives of our own heart. And what the Holy Spirit said was, your motives were pure. You did that to bless. And, and from there now, okay, she's, now we're back in the place of, of union with Jesus. We're back in the place of righteousness by faith, righteousness as a gift, holy by faith, innocent because of the blood of Jesus, not because of anything we've done, because of everything that Jesus has done. We're exalting what Jesus has done. See, now... I can actually begin to discern. And like I said earlier, you cannot discern the, the, the judgment of God at the same time you are judging. And it's not easy, guys. It's not easy sometimes to get out of the role of judge. It's easy to be offended. It's easy to look at this and look at this and look at that and be like, well, I, that, you know, I, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. And we can look around and see all the things that are wrong. And the reason that we do that, because really, honestly, subconsciously, it makes us feel good. Right? We, we play this like comparison game and we, we stack up sins. And as long as I'm not doing the big sins, well, I'm okay. You know, but the truth is that's, a, that's a, just a completely, it's a completely just fallen system that comes from the tree of, the good, of, good, of, good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we just have to drop our relationship with that completely. And we have to recognize that real peace comes, guys, when we get out of the role of judge. And Real peace comes, I mean, not only with people, but it comes from inside. It comes where you can now be in a place of peace with yourself, where you don't have to constantly play the game of trying to be good, but you can just rest. You can rest in who Jesus is. You can rest in who you are in Christ. And now it changes your complete focus from being sin-focused and judgment-focused to love obsessed. You just begin to love people. You don't have to, you don't have to fix people. You don't have to convict people. You don't have to be, you know, junior Holy Spirit. You can let the Holy Spirit work through you to love people. And, you know, the goodness of God is what leads people into re repentance. So we can be expressors of the goodness of God. And, and people can look at us and see our freedom and see our peace and see that, we aren't judgmental and it's attractive. It's super attractive. You know, there's a reason why the Pharisees were the ones that were rebuked by Jesus and the notorious sinners were the ones that hung out with Jesus. And it wasn't, it, you know, it's interesting that he was judging the judgers, <laughs> right? And, and he was accepting those that knew that they couldn't be good. It was incredible. It's an incredible realization to know that we don't have to be good apart from Christ. And when you do this, it does not open the door for everybody to be, you know, freely to be, you know, out there doing bad. No, here's the thing. If the fact that you even want to do good, you have to realize that that is the nature of Jesus, that you already have the propensity to desire good. We wouldn't even be having a relationship 
with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if we didn't have that desire to be good. But the desire is just met in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a finished work inside of us. So all that's left to do is believe it, to receive it. And the, way, the best way that I know how to tell you to do that is to really get grounded in the gospel. Get grounded in your union with Jesus. And, and the best way to do that, right, is to take these scriptures, take uh, scriptures like Christ in you, the hope of glory, take scriptures like you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, take scriptures like the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, take scriptures like he was made to be sin, who knew no sin, that, that I might be made the righteousness of Christ, and really get this new identity of someone who lives in union with Jesus really programmed, reprogramming, is what this is about, programmed into your mind. It will change your life. It'll change your relationship with yourself, and it will change every relationship in your life because this legalistic judging judging uh, propensity that we, we operate out of, I'll tell you, it permeates every relationship. It permeates everything, and it is impossible to have peace and to be convicted and be guilty at the same time, and the kingdom of God is joy is our default state of being. It's our default uh, emotion. <laughs> and so if we aren't experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, then there's something going on in our identity. There's more than likely we are operating out of a place where we have fallen into the illusion of separation from God again. And so what do we do? We just shift our focus. We get back into that place where we are one with Jesus. Oh, we just get back into the place where we recognize that we were crucified with Christ, that we were buried with him. We just begin to reassociate in our mind the truth. And, and, and pretty soon, guys, that's going to be that the first thing of you think of. You know, when you mess up, you're going to think, okay, well, I'm not thinking right. I made a mistake. I operated out of bad programming. <clears throat> and so, therefore, um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you convict me of righteousness right now. And I thank you that you can show me the truth about what was going on in that situation so that the, I can know the truth that sets me free from behaving that way. Teach me how Jesus thinks about that. Um, teach me how to live out of a righteousness identity. Teach me how to be a joint heir with Jesus. Teach me how you think. Help me clothe myself with Christ. Clothe myself with humility. Lord, thank you that, I, that, that, that dependency upon you is true humility. Lead me, Holy Spirit, into all truth. Lead me. And if I need to apologize, Holy Spirit, give me the grace. Give me the boldness to apologize to that person. Let them know. But here's the thing. I was acting out of the character of Jesus, and so therefore I, I just apologize. But there's no condemnation. I'm free to admit my mistakes. I don't have to get defensive. I can just operate out of this place where I can apologize. And, and that is, and it doesn't mean anything about me, right? It doesn't mean anything except that I, I have some mind renewal work to do. Does that make sense? So I'll tell you, beloved, there is so much freedom in living in Christ. There's so much freedom when we sever our tie with judgment and we just get out of the judgment business. Uh, it, 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 there's just, it's beautiful to be able to wake up in the morning and just sit in the space of a quiet mind where you just don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to be the, the fixer of everything. You can simply just abide in Jesus and you can be led by the Spirit and you can trust God to do what he needs to do in you and everybody else. Because the truth is, I mean, I've been telling the Lord for this, if you don't fix it, I don't know, I don't even know why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
Like I need the Holy Spirit to even know what programming needs to be upgraded. You know, we just really are not designed to be a source unto ourselves for anything. We are designed to be a branch. We're designed to be a channel. We're designed to be a vessel. And so that's our role. That's, that is the peaceful place that we are called to live and abide. So I hope this blessed you today. I, I pray that it's, if this is something that you struggle with, that this will be, you know, a podcast that you could go back to and listen to. And you can just, you know, go through that, that process of dropping judgment and, 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 and just basically repenting of playing God. And you can get back into that place of peace, get back into that place of union and get back into that place where you are one with love, right? Um, the other thing I'll make a recommendation is, is if you have not listened to my podcast uh, called Braving the Wilderness, this is a, it's a beautiful podcast that, that really I, where I share a, an, an encounter. It was this very kind of, I don't know, maybe six weeks encounter, six weeks of encounters that I had with the Lord about me coming out of agreement with the accuser uh, and really getting set free from the opinions of men uh, because the opinions of men are most likely, in most cases, coming out of the, that, those people's judgments. And so there's just some more revelation that you may get just from listening to that podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, go over, listen to it. I think it'll really bless you. And um, like I said, this is a, this is a, a such a freeing message that we do not have to be sin conscious. We do not have to be focused on what's wrong with us. In fact, we're called to think about what's right with us. We're called to set our minds on things above. And so uh, let me pray and we'll wrap it up for today. So Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for this message. Thank you for the freedom that is in Christ. Thank you that we can set down the role of judgment. We can set down the role of playing judge. And that, Father, we can live in the place of freedom. We can live in the place where we do not have to have a relationship with the law because the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from that. Thank you, Jesus, that you truly have severed our tie with this life. And now our life is hidden inside of you. Thank you that you are our secret place, Jesus, that we don't have to go to an altar in our house or get into our prayer closet, that you, in fact, are where we live, where we move, and where we have our being. You're where we abide. And that's the truth, Father, whether we realize it or not, whether we're aware of it or not. So, Father, wake us up. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding so that that reality becomes the default perspective, the, the default perception that we have of ourselves and we have of others. Lord, help us uh, let go of, 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 of anything that would hinder us from loving other people the way that you do. Father, teach us to love ourselves unconditionally. Teach us to love other people unconditionally, Father, without strings attached. And Father, let us let the Holy Spirit do his job of leading people into truth. Father, help us get into the place where we actually can discern with Christ's hearts, that we can depend on you to judge situations, circumstances, and hearts, Father, and that we can really see the truth. And that thank you that the truth is always glorious. It's always beautiful. It's always an encouragement that prophecy is to edify, encourage, Father, to build others up. And that, Father, we can love people. We can love people into the truth. That we can be people, Father, that display the goodness of God, that display uh, the mercy of God, the grace of God, and that, Father, we can have, we can be long-suffering with others, that we can be in a place where we don't keep a record of wrongs, Father, because we're not in the judgment business. And so, God, thank you that your character can flow through us. And thank you, Lord, that when it doesn't, and when we do screw it up, and we do mess up, and we do 
you know, things that we do because we have our own brokenness and we have our own reasons for acting out of a false identity and, and we just miss it, Father. We miss the mark, we, we sin, we, we take a part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we, we don't even know why we're doing it. Sometimes we do it on purpose, all those things that happen. Father, thank you that the Holy Spirit is right there encouraging us. Thank you that he's right there with us, showing us the truth and helping us not make it mean something about who we are. Thank you that it's not, that not the thing, the behavior is not what defines us, that Jesus Christ and the cross define us. And thank you, God, that we can stay in that place of peace with ourselves and peace with others, Father, because we recognize that it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only by the grace of God that we are holy, that we are righteous, that we've received anything, that it's all a gift and that we have no one has room to boast, that everyone is on the same side of needing a savior, of needing the righteousness of Jesus. Thank you that we can set down a religious spirit. Father, we don't have to stone others because, Father, we recognize that it's the, the log in our own eye that, 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 <laughs> that is the real problem and that that thing blinds us, Father. So help us, help us just get out of sin consciousness, get out of every relationship that we would have with the law. And, Father, come into this place of great love, of unconditional love, of the kind of love that casts out fear, the kind of love that does not bring with it a fear of punishment, Father, but it's, it's beautiful. It's so attractive. It makes us so grateful and overwhelms us, God, with, your, with, with, with the way that you love us, with the way that you love all of humanity. Jesus, they are worthy of your blood. They are worthy of the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus. You, 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 your own blood was the ransom, Father, for every single person that is alive on the planet today. So help us fall in love with people the way that you love people. Help us see people beyond the way that they are behaving, Father, beyond the way that they are acting, beyond the way that they are speaking, beyond their political party affiliation, beyond whatever the behavior is, God, and help us recognize that when we visit the, the prisoners, God, you say we visit Jesus, that when we see the most vile, the most evil, the most uh, um, unlovely people, Father, that, that you identify with those, Jesus, you identify with the notorious sinners, you identify with the worst of us, and I thank you, Jesus, that you redeemed us, that you made us whole, that you brought us into fellowship again before we even knew that we needed it, Father, before we even knew we were deceived, before we even understood that we were living from a place of separation from you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your truth, and, and, and thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for being such an encourager, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being on our team. Thank you that you are for us. And that no one can accuse God's elect. No one can accuse those that have been chosen by you. And the truth is, Father, humanity has been chosen. That the whole world, the whole world is, is loved. The whole world has been reconciled to you from your perspective, Jesus. And it's just us. It's just us that doesn't know it. We don't know who we are, Father. And we're propagating a message of, of judgment, a message that is not such good news that people can't resist it. But thank you, Father, that you're changing that and that we are a part of that generation, Father, that is loving the way that you are. And we thank you, Father, that as we just lay down our relationship with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we just stop it. We just stop judging. Thank you, Father, that the fruit of that is so beautiful. Thank you that there are so, um, so much that you are able to do through us, God. And so we just thank you. We praise you. We praise you for this message. We praise you for this tribe. We praise you for this community. And we thank you so much that we know you. We thank you that, 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 that we can know you, that, that, that we've been given the spirit of wisdom and knowledge 
to know you, Father. We're so, so grateful. And we just thank you that we can live in the center of your acceptance, the center of your love, without fear of condemnation or judgment. Because that, that has been severed on the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. And I just, I, I just release you into a glorious day and a glorious place of peace and rest, knowing that you are perfect in Christ. In Jesus' name, you guys. Love you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose he created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.